Chapter 12 of Ronald and I, or Studies from Life, by Alfred Praetor. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 Bindo, a Sketch. 1. The last notes of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, sung as no other boy on earth could sing it, had just died away in a storm of applause now and again the surge of voices reached the green room in a muffled roar where eric was protesting to the manager that nothing would induce him to sing another note that night they've had four songs he said what on earth do they want more as it is i shall break my voice some day in that confounded hall it was never meant for a boy to sing in all wood and iron and glass with nothing to help you or carry the voice no i won't sing that's flat tell them i'm ill or my mother's come for me or anything you like sing again i won't yes i'll tell them your mother's come for you said the manager with a laugh but remember they'll be clamoring for a boy's best friend is his mother if i do as if to confirm eric in his determination there came a knock at the door and a boyish face peeped in sorry hudson if i've interrupted business but they told me the show was over and i want eric for supper by the way you can come too if you like andrews and thorne are there already and have finished supper by this time i expect but there'll be some champagne and lobster salad left for us thanks lord eastonville i'll come with pleasure but i must first go and quiet these lunatics they're roaring for eric like a lioness robbed of her cub ten minutes later the three were entering a room in hope square so rich in its decorations of china tapestries and antique bronzes that it might have been transported by a slave of the lamp direct from aladdin's palace or have done duty for a catalogue of roman luxury the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and silk and scarlet and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and frankincense and souls of men by the fire for it was early in may stood an oval table covered with old glass and silver in pleasant confusion the fruit a distinctive feature piled artistically in a ribbed basket of the queen anne period not disposed at the rate of four apples here flanked by four oranges there after the fashion dear to the soul of the british householder when he calls his neighbours to a feast the three newcomers were greeted with a round of applause as hearty in spirit as the cheer which had followed them from the hall why bindo you're the very boy we've been longing for we've finished supper and used up our talk and it's too late for a theatre and too early for bed singing will just fill the interval before cards not a note from me thorne till i've had some supper i must clear my throat from the dust of the hall with champagne first why you're as bad as the audience who think that songs can be pumped out of one as easily as you can get squeaks out of a gutta-percha doll while eric is better employed we can introduce the party lord eastonville who owns the rooms is a thorough gentleman of the well-bred english type with brains enough to carry him safely through life good-looking generous easy-going to a fault and twenty-five too fond it may be of taking his ease as all well-to-do englishmen are nowadays but a man who could fight for his country as in the old crimean times when war galvanized our lethargy into life 
war is no unmixed evil it carries with it a blessing in disguise it is the scare and shadow of war that is the curse without the blessing thorne as a minute in his company would prove to you is a hard-headed journalist witty and an excellent talker facile of course with his pen and ready to turn out a new theology as easily as he could write an article on the last discovered butterfly or grub andrews is a graduate of london university spending with eastonville the remnant of a holiday fairly humorous and incorrigibly deaf never more so his friends say than when a subject bores him he is himself a trifle of a bore to-night in his latest translation of virgil ploughed with a team has become in the hands of the printers ploughed with steam an anachronism that pleases him mightily he is sorely exercised over the term prolegomena used in connection with our classical editions either the words bad greek he says or else it's rank nonsense things that are being said before means just nothing at all what they want is a perfect things that have been said before which is not only more grammatical but also he adds with a chuckle much more descriptive of prefaces in general well i don't understand greek and latin said thorne so suppose we talk english i have been studying you carefully bendo and have come to the conclusion that you look highly picturesque among all that fruit and flowers i wonder what made you so good-looking was your father particularly lovely neither my father nor my mother thorne though she has contrived to marry again and the consequence is i'm not so well looked after as i ought to have been else i shouldn't be here to-night fate i think must have made a judicious blend of the best points in his face with the best features of hers and the result is me first-class grammar bindo she must have sent you to a good school at any rate anything else to ask old man you seem to be in an inquisitive mood to-night yes who taught you to sing le bon dieu i suppose as patty said i had only the training of a country choir-boy by the by my master's name was thorne a matter full of interest to you i believe i sang by intuition a hamiltonian philosopher muttered andrews only he has developed theory into practice anyhow when your voice goes i shall put on mourning said eastonville not black for i don't believe in it purple's the farthest i can go you may put on white or canary yellow like a heathen chinee for all i care don't lose your temper bendo and eric alias bendo how shall i describe him a fair boy delicate looking but with lungs that can fill the biggest concert room in london with wavy golden hair flung back on his forehead and the long dreamy eyes so dear to the soul of raphael in fact it was raphael's picture of bindo altoviti long supposed to be a portrait of the painter that had won him his name framed in the cabin window of a burnemouth steamer excursion boats in these days do not condescend to portholes his arms resting on the sill the resemblance had struck me irresistibly from that day he became bindo to all of us and would scarcely have recognized an appeal to him as eric if we had lighted on the name by accident 
his hair perhaps was one of his most telling points it reflected under strong lights brilliant flakes of gold isolated like the motes that are suspended in certain liqueurs but after all it was his manner that took so much with all his friends he had the timid deprecating caress of a half-tamed animal like hawthorne's donatello before he had won himself a soul alas poor bindo was hardly allowed time to win it and what was the show like to-night bindo asked eastonville nothing would suit them out of sixty songs but jerusalem rags and tatters and home sweet home they don't mind a boy's best friend for an encore when they are in a strictly domestic mood but anything really worth singing they won't look at well we'll follow their better mood and have jerusalem you've got back your voice by now old chap and we've been waiting for you patiently this last half hour or more once again that night the glorious voice rang out into the thin air startling the silent square windows were hastily flung up and the word bendo was passed from sill to sill even a drowsy canary was stimulated to try a note or two in emulation of a method more attractive than its own and through the open window came for an accompaniment the voice of london soft as the murmur of a far-off sea with the end of the song a sharp rattle of applause ran round the square marked by distinctive intervals like the volley at a soldier's funeral bravo bindo said eastonville it would pay you to send the hat around to-night here's a fiver young un to open the bank with though why i should give it you passes my comprehension a boy who can earn ten pounds a night at sixteen is a sight better off than i am if you lose it you'll have to try the others i'm pretty well cleared out after all you're detestable bindo just when we want you most your voice will be gone and you'll have spoiled us for all other singing precisely as the great sarah has spoiled us for any acting but her own if we could only forget and start fresh with each week how nice and pleasant everything would be i believe nelly is right in cometh up when she says that memory is often a cruel gift no one would choose to remember a feeble show or to spoil his enjoyment of average singing by a recollection of the best why are jack shepherd and genevieve de brabant practically withdrawn from the london stage because elderly playgoers cannot forget the days when mrs keeley played jack or when emily soldine and the dolaro drew all mayfair to islington by the witchery of a serenade but now for a boy's best friend we're all in a domestic mood to-night and then cards two bindo was very docile as a rule especially in the hands of those who loved and cared for him but on some points he was obdurate as steel for instance i could never persuade him try what i would to invest his salary nor could anything induce him to learn a profession against the day when his voice should fail him singing he said had come naturally to him a good voice a good ear and a little training had done the trick and he thought or pretended to think that the evil day when it did come would bring with it its own resource sufficient unto the day is the good thereof was bindo's motto throughout and it was impossible to teach him the value of money he spent it royally on others lavishly on himself 
where have you been bindo i said to him one monday when he hadn't turned up as usual on the previous afternoon oh i took harry out of town he's been seedy you know and wanted change so we went to brighton and you travelled first class and put up at the bedford and lost money to him at cards in the evening you have hit it exactly old man was the reply i believe that most of his money went on quixotic kindnesses of this sort one night when i was with him at the queen's hall he liked to run round to me between his turns and criticize the show from the front his salary for two nights went before it was earned to the first violin a blind little snuff-powdered man but bindo's very particular friend because he had stumbled in getting down from the stage and damaged his instrument when the end did come it came suddenly his voice cracked on an upper g sudden and short like the string of a violin in the very hall he had so emphatically abused for its acoustic deficiencies of course he came to me if it can be said that he came to me when he had always been with me for most of his time but the life bored him i had my own work to do in the evenings and couldn't go with him to restaurants theatres and concerts the excitement of which had become a second nature to bindo and so we drifted little by little but still very surely farther and farther apart it was about this time that his friend harry the same whom he had entertained so royally at brighton fell ill bindo had been anxious about him for a long while and never passed a day without seeing him but it was only quite lately that the doctors had begun to suspect a rapid form of consumption bindo was full of trouble i think he liked harry best of all his friends perhaps excepting me one day he burst into my room with something more akin to tears in his eyes than i had ever seen in them before what is to be done charlie they've given harry the sack at his office because he's too ill to do his work properly they won't even keep it open for him for a week or two on the chance what brutes they are and poor old chap he's got nothing if it were only this time last year and i had my voice again we could do famously i wish i'd taken your advice old man and saved my pile while i had the chance by the way happy thought i have a heap of rings and pins and watches at home that the swells gave me last year for singing at their matinees and concerts enough of them to stock a pawn-shop by jove they shall help to stock attenboroughs and will live on the proceeds at any rate till things look more rosy he was off then and there and for the next six months till harry died i scarcely saw him one excitement in his case had cast out the others and while harry lived he hardly cared to be outside his room brother and nurse in one he was to him with him night and day and whatever money or love could do bindo did for him afterwards he came back to me looking a trifle older a trifle more depressed but improved or so it seemed to me by the experience he had undergone i forgot that there are natures receptive of vigorous and even intense impressions but absolutely incapable of retaining them so soon as one predominant idea has passed from the brain its place must be occupied by another for good or else for evil 
which of the two it may be seems almost a matter of indifference it is the law so to speak of their being that it should be indifferent i almost wished in those days that i could fall ill myself five or six months of nursing under bindo's hand would have been a lazy delight to me and selfish as it may seem better far for him than the life he was leading unhappily i never felt fitter much too fit and too self-occupied to be interesting to bindo and so he left me for others more at liberty and likely to be more amusing all this time he was to quote his own words looking about for something the macabre like expression that does duty for an idle life whatever bindo's interpretation may have been i know it made him very late in coming home of an evening yet he never asked me for money his resources seemed boundless and the stock of rings and watches inexhaustible but portable and useful property as they are you must have a good supply of them in hand to live upon it for a year in the style bindo was doing besides it occurred to me as strange that i had never had a sight of them in old days i had always had the first view of any present that was made him on another point too he was inflexible as ever advice and help toward securing permanent employment he absolutely and positively refused better that old boy he said than do what most people do bother their friends all round for an opinion when they've decided all along to follow their own your practical and steady-going individual the one for example who can see nothing in alice in wonderland never admits into his reckoning the influence of excitement it disturbs and disarranges his equilibrium of life yet disparage it as you may it is one of the most important factors in shaping life and character and perhaps the very strongest lever that operates for the development of vice fortunately a fair number of mankind can do with a small and weak modicum of this dangerous stimulant individuals like bindo who ask for more are classed among the eccentricities of nature for whom it is impossible to prescribe yet think what it means for a boy of sixteen without discipline or experience to steady him to drop literally in a moment from notoriety to neglect activity to stagnation almost from life to death no wonder bindo pined and drooped i knew the alternative that lay before him life and death not in metaphor this time but in sober earnest yet i let him go for he had taught me himself if i had wanted the knowledge that no man can cage a human will so from the very moment i had become more hopeful about him the gulf widened between us but only in companionship never in spirit for till the thunder in the trumpet be soul may divide from body but not we one from the other meanwhile he had retained all his old friends no one who had known bindo was in a hurry to part company with him but he had made other and less reputable ones the strange and to me disquieting element in the situation was that he never even now seemed to be in want of money yet harry's illness alone must have cost him a fortune all his old luxuries were resumed 
dinners to his friends at which bindo was always paymaster with periodical trips to brighton and bournemouth for change succeeded one another with the same regularity as when the boy was earning ten pounds a night where does the money come from i asked myself again and again alas the knowledge was to come soon late one evening as i was finishing an article for the editor who employed me thorne and eastonville called at my rooms that they had come on no pleasant errand was written on their faces charlie said thorne we are here on a disagreeable business i hope it may prove less disagreeable than it looks the fact is we've been losing a lot of things for some time past at least we've tried our level best to think we've lost them but it won't do the thing is far too systematic to be accidental sometimes it has been money a sovereign or two at a time then it was a diamond ring of eastonville's that went and then some valuable scarf-pins of mine so the thing must be stopped but who has done it i may as well out with it at once though it burns my throat to tell it we can't help fancying it's bindo no one but he has had access to our rooms at all hours and you know how suspicious he has made us all by the pile of money he's been spending yes it is bendo thorn what was the good of attempting to deny it when it flashed across me in a moment where all his jewellery had come from no not all perhaps probably for i never asked him he had started with articles that were legitimately his own and then when these had failed him had been tempted to supplement them less creditably in the time of harry's need of course we found the things as i anticipated at attenborough's all of them that is but one bendo was not the boy to try and hide his work as an expert would have done by distributing the articles at different shops or even by signing under an assumed name on the contrary there was a contemptuous candour in his method of dealing that actually surprised and puzzled us for a moment at starting i would allow no one but myself to liquidate on behalf of bindo but i as steadily refused to be the bearer to him of the discovery we had made none of the others volunteered for the office or showed the faintest ambition to be the one selected for the murder of a friendship so we cast lots for the office whose it should be in true melodramatic style and the lot fell upon me cheer up old fellow said eastonville bendo's a deal fonder of you than he is of the rest of us and won't take it so hardly if it comes through you the fact is we spoiled him all of us that is but you and he knew it too and i believe he liked the preaching you gave him better than all my five-pound notes not that he showed any objection to the notes i'm bound to say now don't look so savage old man i'm bound to try and laugh over it because if i didn't i feel sure i should do the other thing and after all this business may be the making of bindo but he didn't know bindo as i did the boy came to me with outstretched hand and with the old frank look in his eyes but i could not trust myself to return it what i did must i felt be done quickly if i waited for words in which to break the news to him above all if i gave him the chance of speaking first i knew it was all up with me so i just put the things on the table in front of him how i hated the sight of them and said 
these things have come into my hands no matter by what means he looked at them and the faintest flush imaginable crept over his face before you leave me to-night we will do them up for the post and you will address them to the respective owners and leave them in my hands i did not dare to look at him but turned away to another table making up the parcels one by one and handing them to him where he stood behind my back he addressed each parcel as he received it never betraying by a word or sign what i knew the effort must have cost him and now eric you and i part company i saw him wince at the name almost as if he had received a blow no doubt it implied to him far more plainly than i had intended that the bindo of the past was lost beyond recall it was not said in heedlessness still less in heartlessness it was simply loss of self-control the old familiar name could not be forced past my lips in a moment i saw what i had done and would have given worlds to repair it bendo i cried impulsively come back but it was too late the mischief was done i had lost my last chance by that one word good-bye he answered and was gone three the characters we meet with in this world are composite all of them not saint or sinner not this or else that but something betwixt and between the good in them not permanent the bad in them not hopeless and bindo's short life had exemplified the fact with startling clearness from that day forward my influence over him was gone he must have kept studiously out of my path an easy thing for him to do as he knew all my habits and places of resort i used to try and persuade myself that i was guiltless of the result whatever it might be that unstable as water his character was past all guidance and would in any case have drifted to the end that seemed to be in view yet it was hard to feel all the while that a strong kind word from me that night might have nerved him to fresh energy and what about bindo i asked of eastonville one day going to the dogs and pretty rapidly too i'm afraid the last time i saw him he was with hutchinson and all that crew you know what comes of mixing with loafers like that he wouldn't look at me though i tried hard to get a talk with him he'd had more to drink too than a boy of seventeen can carry the pity of it all what a voice he had and what a good fellow too at heart how he nursed poor harry few samaritans of the present day would have given up six months of their time to spend them in a sick-room but i'm afraid it's all up with him can't thorn do anything no bindo fights shy of us all and no wonder either i am sure i should do the same in his place if you could only have got hold of him and made him feel that we were rather glad than otherwise that our useless belongings had gone towards nursing harry he'd have got back his self-respect and been less shy of us but our last hope went when you failed what the plague made you call him eric instead of bindo heaven only knows i answered or its antipodes i told thorne one day of eastonville's report and asked him what he thought of it just nothing at all he said he knows no more of what bindo's doing than all the rest of us for myself i believe he's got work of some kind i grant he's been sometimes at shady music halls with shady companions and that's what eastonville means 
but after all a fellow must have someone to speak to in the evening especially if he's at work all day and if he's lost his old friends he must fill up their place with the best he can besides it's quite possible that bindo has grown wise enough by this time to make sure they do him no harm a few months later thorn dropped in again now you'll be happy i suppose at least i am bindo starts to-morrow for brazil in the magdalena we came across him to-day he's had work on hand all the year though he kept it quietly to himself and now he'll be quit of all his old associations and be able to make another and i hope a better start i made up my mind of course that i must see him before he sailed but how to do it fortunately i knew the name of the boat he was to travel by unless he had wilfully put thorn off the scent but it was too late to get a train that night and as the boat i knew sailed at two o'clock it gave me none too much time to hunt him up at southampton when a letter came to me next morning by the early post requiring an article at once for the afternoon papers it was only what i expected fate had come between me and bindo every time i had wished to help him and she was at her old games again so i sat down and wrote off my article doggedly rather than savagely in the spirit of one who gives up the game against chance yet knowing all the time i was writing that i was losing my train and that it was doubtful whether the next one would catch the magdalena at all the official at the dock entrance told me that she was already throwing off from the key wall and it would be quite impossible to get on board far and away your best chance he added is to run around this way to the dock gates you'll be there before she is for it takes a lot of time to back and turn her then if you want to say good-bye to anyone very particularly and he smiled you'll get a word with her perhaps for the vessel's loaded deep and her portholes won't stand very high above the key wall besides she'll only creep through the gates but you've no time to lose i hardly stopped to thank him then on my way back he got not only thanks but to his great astonishment a five shilling piece well he must have wanted to see her badly i heard him whisper to his mate the preliminaries of throwing off backing warping were all over by the time i reached the gates and the big vessel was beginning to make a move under her own steam i looked eagerly for bendo among the passengers fate had been kind to me and given me yet another chance what if i missed it like the last but she favoured me this time he was leaning over the deck rail watching the leave-takings as the great vessel swept slowly past the wall his cap was thrown back and his hair blown off his forehead what a boy he looked to be starting a new life in a new world without a friend and with worse than failure for the past just then he caught sight of me for a moment he hesitated i could see him hesitate then he left the deck and reappeared at a porthole in the aft part of the ship framed once more and it was my last picture of him as the very bendo of old good-bye he said old man it was good of you to come after the way i've treated you thanks again most faithful of friends and good-bye forgive and forget this time believe me i'll go straight by the way he added just give this parcel for me to fred naming one of his chums 
i had intended it for the pilot but it will be safer in your hands a wave of the hand as the ship headed for the open water was the last i saw of bindo but a load was off my mind as i walked back to the station i could look forward hopefully now and patiently to our next meeting glancing at the parcel he had given me i found it was addressed to myself it contained a small diamond ring without word or comment at the time when we found the jewellery at attenborough's this ring had been missing and as it belonged to me i had said nothing to the others about it i might easily have lost it and at any rate i gladly gave bendo the benefit of the doubt he had pledged it apparently at a different shop perhaps because it was mine and he did not wish it to be discovered with the rest perhaps to remind him more vividly of the task he had set himself during the year to come till this ring could be redeemed he must wait and work in london and though all his hopes were centred in life abroad it must not be thought of till this one act of reparation had been done i never saw or heard from him directly again two years later he died of yellow fever in hospital at rio and his last act while he still had strength to hold a pen was to write me a loving letter of farewell enclosing a cheque that covered the sums i had expended on his account the letter was forwarded to me by the nurse who attended him it is well with the lad it is well End of chapter twelve